the line that has been kind of through my entire life has been, if you're not creating value, you don't have value. Hey, before we get to our amazing and compelling conversation with our guest, Graham Sharkey, here's a word from our incredible partners. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with IJM Canada and David Ash, author of Simple Wealth. Now, I'll be sharing more about these inspiring partners later on in the show, but if you want to check out their life-transforming work that they're doing, even while you're listening to this podcast, I won't be offended, I promise. Go to IJM.ca and simplewealthbooks.com slash love. Mr. Graham Sharkey, you are finally in our studio and we're finally together. Can you believe it? No, no. no. We've been talking for months yep. and through Zoom. So it's like I do know you, but I've actually never like physically kind of like been in your space. Yeah, it's crazy. Is it crazy? Does it feel weird? It does feel a little bit. <laughs> it feels good weird though. I know. It's really good. All right. So Graham, like you, you are so much, um, I don't even know how to introduce you, like, but maybe it's best that you introduce yourself. <laughs> no, it's, um, there's a couple of things that I'm really excited about. I'm excited about just this series that we're doing, the mm-hmm. Summer of Strength series. We, obviously we've, this is how we met. We kind of started talking about how we could potentially partner with, um, Momentum and See Here Love and yeah. super grateful to be here and to be a part of this. And, um, yeah, I think that for me, um, my journey has been has started out as like wanting to be a soccer player. To was Pele your favorite? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to be Pele. I was. I was. I played soccer yeah, when I was. Yeah. Oh, and you know, I just found out that the Canadian women's team in the Olympics just won gold. Yeah. In soccer. It's huge. Way to go, us. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like way to <laughs> yeah. go. We helped, we helped with <laughs> all of that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So from there to okay. wanting to be a musician to from being a musician to want to be a producer producer managing business and then into like marketing venture capital stuff and then now I have no idea what I am (laughs) how's that sound so that would be the the work and that is part of this whole issue is like the idea of trying to separate what I do from who I am and so that's like that has been like the bane of my existence from <laughs> you know the moment that I could understand the difference between the two and not knowing what that was so you are like you mentioned momentum that's a lot there's so much I want to unpack with you through this because you said so much there so you are co-founder of momentum entertainment yep my co my partner is Trevor McNeven yep. um and he's a, a lead singer from Thousand Foot Crutch just like that he is not one some of those parts he's multiple mm-hmm. kind of things as a as a father and a husband and and um a businessman and so we uh it had been a couple of years ago that we that we started momentum and i th- probably throughout this we'll find out more about what that is yeah. but yeah yeah it's been exciting well i'm so grateful for our partnership it's mm-hmm. like one of those things where you know you're like oh covid sucks and there's nothing good and you you know and then we all meet and it's just i think for see here love if i can say this so honestly it's just like it kind of like gave us a little spark. Like, Mm. you know, there's great people to partner with and opportunities out there and great organizations to partner with. So I know we're gonna talk about that later. I love that we're in partnership and 
Well, in, oh, go ahead. And momentum is kind of key core of what we are is literally to create movement by inspiring hope, courage, and freedom. And so if there's like a spark that comes through that, that's like why we actually exist. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. And so that's that fits perfectly with See, Here Love and our ethos and mission and vision. So it's perfect. But what's really cool is a lot of people don't know when I'm like starting this SOS podcast mm-hmm. series, you know, embarrassing myself singing like sting song like sending out an sos which i was gonna do and i'm, and I'm totally like terrified because you are a musician not doing it you if you heard me <laughs> sing though you'd be like oh my gosh i think it's time for me to pick up that mic or maybe become a soccer player <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it that's exactly it but you actually and trevor came up with sos summer of strength mm-hmm. remember we were like okay we want to do a podcast series for see here love let's do it this summer why, why was that the thing? Cause I was thinking you were going to be like something completely different, but you two came up with that and came to me and said, Oh yeah, we have to do SOS summer of strength. And to be fair, that was Trevor who came up okay. with the, with the actual like final kind of tagline of summer of strength. We, we talk regularly um, through my personal recovery and, and my journey and stuff like that about what it takes to be resilient and be um, to have like the capacity and the emotional, mental and physical strength to kind of get through sometimes minute by minute versus day by day by month by month. And um, he just was like, he's so good with taking complicated kind of scenarios and creating like simple kind of like solutions and taglines. And so he, he brought this up to me and I was just like, man, it's annoying actually. <laughs> it, it's annoying at how good he is at what he does. So that was, it was pretty funny. But um, I was just like, boom, like we don't even need to think about it more. And then I messaged you because I'm the messenger. So yeah. I, took, oh, okay. I could have taken all the credit <laughs> and I kind of wanted to, but, but we went back and forth on it and then I sent it to you and I'm like, then it's like kind of fingers crossed yeah. so hopefully you love it as well. And it totally. resonates with you. And it seemed to resonate with a ton of people. So many people. Cause like the last conversations, I mean, we've gone through like Graham, like strengthening in areas of marriage mm-hmm. and relationships when, you know, there's infidelity involved or strengthening your singleness. Mm-hmm. We've done strengthening in areas of mental health and anxiety and depression with Lecrae, strengthening your resolve when, hey, uh, let's leave a $35 million contract to go become a farmer. Like strengthening, mm-hmm. you know, your resolve or strengthening you going, really, God, that's what you're calling me to do. Like it's just been over and over, like strengthening like the sealies in loving yourself, God and others. Like, mm-hmm. And so it worked so perfectly. And I think I said this before, you know, we were talking now was that when I was sharing with people that I was interviewing, hey, you're part of the series called mm. Strengthening. It was like something resonated so deeply maybe it's after and through covid people were like i want to be a part of like strengthening listeners and and viewers in these areas so it was really perfect yeah so okay thank you trevor and out of the (laughs) pandemic and in a pandemic like how do we how do we navigate this in a way that is really you know the best versions of ourselves yeah you know it's been it's been such a journey and everyone can admit i think that there's been some pretty pretty lows, big lows and some pretty weird highs and, you know, out of it, how do we stay strong and keep focused? Yeah. And I love that. And I think that's, you know, again, so mission and vision of See Here Love is that what I found over the past five years is so many people are coming to us saying, help us. Mm -hmm. Like, how do Mm -hmm. I change my behavior thinking? And then with the foundation of Jesus, Mm -hmm. because you can't do it on your own. You're going to need community. You're going to need Jesus. Yeah. But you're also, and the biggest thing that I found too is uh, over the years I've, I've had to really say to people, but now you have to do something. Right. 
like you can't just go, Jesus, and my community is going to drag me across the finish line. It's like I've had to say, no, you got to stop doing that or yeah. you've got to start doing this and you actually got to do something. Yeah. And, you know, that's a whole other discussion because sometimes I think within sometimes church culture, we've just been like, okay, it's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. Totally. And it's really dangerous because, you know, you you have to actually choose and do as yeah. well as like trusting God and, and listening to him and having community around you. There is an action. So that's why I think the strength thing was like, we're going to strengthen you and give you tips and tools, but now you have to go and make those changes. Yeah. So that's really cool. So this is neat though. So we've got this partnership, but there is de- there's another partnership and connection that you personally have, Graham, with See Here Love. And in that, because we're part of Crossroads, we mm. are a production of Crossroads Christian Communications, which is where you're at. You're in our, you're yep. actually in our like which building. Which is beautiful, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So tell us about that. Cause I think that's so amazing that way back, there's now a connection point to us. Yeah, I think I was telling you kind of when I was walking through the halls and, um, you know, there's pictures of people and, and stuff here. And, and um, it just reminded me, um, I would have been five years old and I was like that little kid who was like tossing rocks at the neighborhoods, building the fence and swearing at them. You're and, one of those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Just, just the, the <laughs> epitome of a little boy. Um, and, uh, or not even just a boy, just a little disturber. How's yeah, that sound? Yeah, that's good. That's and, good. uh, and, and we're just kind of tossing rocks at the neighbor. The neighbor's kind of freaking out and I'm yelling at him and I'm swearing at him. And, and my mother, um, you know, of course calls me in and has this like full blown discussion with me saying, Hey, like, do you want, do you want to be like this? And, and I was just like, I don't, I don't actually like she could, I'm crying. She's disciplined me. She said, like you don't actually have to be this way. And um, that whole conversation happened because for the the first year of like by from four to five, my mom was watching Hundred Huntley Street and David Maines and and I'm not sure exactly what happened in that, but my mom basically told me that she like flew through the TV basically to try and accept God into her heart. Wow. And and the next step after that, they were like, you know, and you can also know, you can also know um, the Holy Spirit who Jesus has left for us to kind of, and in the same thing was filled with the spirit. And so I, my mom's having this conversation with me as a five-year-old saying, you know, do you want the help of somebody to help you be a good person and be a better person and somebody, you don't have to do this on your own. And um, I, I initially was just like, well, you know, does dad, does dad know him? Like that's Cause you're thinking he's like a person. Yeah, that's and you're the like, conversation. What? Like has dad done this? Yeah. And, and she's, she said to me, and I remember this, I was on our back deck is like in, um, in Lloyd Minster, Saskatchewan. And, and my mother just says he hasn't yet. She didn't lie. She said he hasn't yet, but he will. Mm. And so it was super crazy. And so I did, I, I did accept Jesus in my life and, it, through some other experiences ended up um, accepting the Holy Spirit and then about six months later David Maines had come to um, Lloyd Minster and my dad is like uh, he's he's actually like a legit hero of mine and I could get emotional about it just because of the way he is in every situation he's the calm he is the collected. He is like very, um, 
he'll process things, but he doesn't get super emotional about something. He won't react. He'll just listen, take it all in, and then and then talk to God and figure out what the best way forward is. And and I I I tell everybody that's super kind of weird to want to be exactly like you know your your dad but it's like he's 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 laid out this kind of like roadmap of what it means to be an incredible human of integrity and character but before then he would suggest that he had a bit of a drinking problem but he he was always just a really good man but for whatever reason David Maines came to Lloyd and my dad was sitting at the very far back and he asked and my mom didn't push him or anything like that just was praying for him and asked um, asked him to uh, ask if anybody wanted to receive Jesus. They could put their hand up or they could do whatever. My mom says, and my dad, you know, confirms that he, she, he didn't go to the aisle. He went over the chairs. <laughs> this, like, man who doesn't really get super excited about anything, yeah. he knew that this is something that he needed in his life. And so now this kind of, like, full circle moment of us sitting here in the space that is, like, has this incredible history and incredible platform and, and foundation it's just so cool to be able to partner with you know 20 mm. years later it's amazing or eh? 40 years later and david mains was the founder of crossroads christian mm. communications and and yes tv which is where like see here love airs and you know i always think about legacy i always think about that decisions matter mm-hmm. i also think like with david he was like mid-20s when he was like an entrepreneur and started mm. this incredible ministry and you never, you know, I think you have to think like, wow, like, you know, for us as entrepreneurs and other people that are what you start, the impact for generations to come and mm-hmm. what you do, like it matters. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's scary. Like it wouldn't have been easy for him to start a Christian like content, sure. like media company and, 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 you know, broadcast station. And I think it's the same thing too. And I started to see here, love, it's terrifying. You don't have all what you think you can need or even the skills, but then God's like, cool, mm-hmm. then it's me. Yeah. And actually I'm going to help you. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like some crazy, like, you know, spiritual, I mean, it was a spiritual thing, but you know, when I say God help me, he brought a lot of people to help me mm. and he downloaded some crazy creative ideas and then just some like supernatural strength, like just to do it. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. I think I love that, 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 the connection with us yeah. actually goes to somebody who doesn't even know you yep. in that way. Sure. Right. And here we are. Yeah. It's kind of neat. It's kind of like, <sighs> yeah, it's like God, God's got a plan. God does have a plan. Yeah. So you make this decision at five mm-hmm. to follow Jesus. And some people are like, did you really know what you're doing? But you know, did you know, and, and, or not. And what impact did that have? Like when you said, okay, yes to Jesus, you know, now you're, you're, you're a kid and then teenage years. I think it's just what I want to do is just pull out your story, Graham, mm-hmm. because you are a storyteller and just want to hear a little bit of your journey, right? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, there's, you talk about shame and you talk about embarrassment and you talk about some of these things. That you, I even talk about having, like, somebody in my life that I can look up to and, and create a path afterwards. And, mm-hmm. and how, how did I get so sideways halfway through it? And, to be honest, it's it was legitimately like I'm 43 right now. It would have been 20 years of my life of kind of like floundering, even though a lot of that was in the church, leading worship in churches, music directing in churches. It's like I had these multiple kind of like facades happening, and um, and so 
So the idea of like, you know, at five, you know, I've had a couple of really intense experiences that I just can't, I can't um, educate people to, it's like, they're just my experiences. I can't even explain them. But at, at that same time that I asked Jesus in my heart, um, my mom was like, do you want this helper to come alongside? <clears throat> and she put her hand on my head. And I was like, well, sure, if you've done it, I'll do it. And I, I, f- I fell over. My head hit the wall. A little bit of gyp rock pulled out. And I was like, I was like freaked out, to be honest. And whether that's theological, I, I'm just telling you my story. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, and I was so freaked out because my head didn't hurt. It was like, it wasn't that I was like, I, I had kind of lost control and kind of like fell down. And my mom is running around the coffee table, praising God <laughs> about this thing. And then realizing that I'm like on the floor kind of scared. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and she's like, well, do you hear and, you know, feel words? And, and you, and, and I did. And I was just like, and then I just looked at her and said, I don't want this right now. You know what I mean? And, and like I said, I, I can't really... I can only speak of my experiences for, for how I experienced them. And so there was like a very real moment at that time where I was just like there, this, whatever this is, is very real. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of moved on and kind of did life. And, and, um, from there, I, uh, I just kind of, I gave my life to the church. I, I played guitar on Wednesday nights and Thursday nights I would go out to, um, a, a reserve and and would be with um, our pastor as he spoke to different um, different groups of people and then we went to on Sunday mornings I do Sunday morning and Sunday night I'd play Sunday night and I, I was in grade six doing like four services a week wow. playing guitar in church and so um, I was like embedded into this kind of like culture and this kind of thing very early on and in that, and there's, I'll talk through lots of things, you know, today, but there's never any blame. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I'm 43 year old person making decisions right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that. I don't blame anyone else. But at that time you, I had to wear a tie. Mm. It didn't matter how I felt. It's like you put on this face so that everybody thinks that you're happy. If you're, you know, grew up in a bit of a faith movement. And so it's like, if you weren't, if you weren't healed, you were probably living out of God's will. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There was just yeah. a lot of stuff that was in kind of ingrained in me at that young, young age. And, um, and that led to um, me being able to be phenomenal at putting on multiple faces, um, you know, where it's just like I can, if, if you need me to be this way, I can be that way. If you need me to be that way, you can be that way. So you're way. like a chameleon. Absolutely. You know, yeah. it's interesting you say that because there's so many people, even myself, mm-hmm. that did that. Like... I had to wear dresses, nylons, sure. ew, and I'm like in the Philippines and it's hot and you have to yeah. wear nylons and you have to wear dresses and you had to go to church all the time. Yeah. And then it just got to be routine and nothing about relationship. It yeah. became what was expected of me. And I know a ton of people that have been in that space. Mm-hmm. It's really, I'm glad you're being honest about that because it's it was, it was, I started becoming like Melinda at church and grade and teaching youth like you know Sunday school and singing and then partying and not being into it at all yep. like on the weekends yeah so so let's talk about that because I think for a lot of listeners that may be something that really resonates because a lot of us go through the motions mm-hmm. and yet it's not it's not real it's like what you're saying right 
Well, and I can kind of reverse engineer kind of like my space now where everything is to do with radical honesty, authentic living, kind of vulnerable transparency, mm-hmm. and then just open-handedness, yeah. you know, and those those are like my core kind of things that every day that I get up and, and I just do a little self-check-in in the morning and then again, you know, in the afternoon and then one more time at night, you know what I mean? Just be like, did I live the best version of myself today? And if any one of these things aren't there, then I know that I'm living out of my addiction, not living out of my recovery. And so there's like so many, there's so many layers to that. You know what I mean? But my personal thing was, is that I just always wanted to avoid, you know, conflict or painful scenarios, Mm. whether it's because of some PTSD from, you know, some incidences in the past or whatever that is. I've, I've learned how to really create a beautiful defense mechanism around me that nobody can get in. Yeah. And um, in that, though, then you're not authentic and you're not real and you're not true. And that led me down to uh, a 10-year a stretch of, of numbing through substance abuse and, and through relationships and anything I could do to kind of not have to think about the pain that I was really in or the emptiness that I was really feeling. So... When you're at church, and I want to go back and then go forward. Sure. So you're at church, you're feeling like a chameleon. Why was that? Like, I mean, I think I'm trying to understand because I'm. That was how I felt. Was it we weren't connected really truly to like the whole experience of Jesus? Was it? And again, it's not bashing the church, but like the systems and the expectation or it's, judgment. Like, what was it? Because I think there are a lot of people that have left the church because of this. Yeah. And I think for me, unfortunately, it was probably the opposite. Like I had lots of, of like, um, I fit in, in the church and I fit in, in this, but when it came to at school and when it came to like, um, whether it be music or whether playing soccer and like the, it was very, it's so funny when you think about it now, but it's very uncool to be, to go to church on a Sunday. You know what I mean? It was very uncool. Like at, at, we st- I started drinking, I think I had my first drink at when I was 12 years old, you know what I mean? Small town, yeah. you know, everybody's kind of on the weekend and, and everybody managed it to get to the place where your parents think I'm over here, their parents are over there. Oh, and, totally. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so I just, I, I loved that lifestyle and I loved how I felt in that space. Mm-hmm. And when I was at church, I loved being the, you know, the young kid on stage that everybody you know what I mean, look to and just like you're doing such a good job, that external kind of, you know, validation is something that I've always, 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 I put it above everything, right? So versus the intrinsic versus like, you know, what does God think of me? I, the, the, the line that has thread that has been kind of through my entire life has been, if you're not creating value, you don't have value. Wow, and so that has been my, and so you'll see me work really hard and you'll see me all these things. And sometimes if I have these things like the radical honesty, the authentic living, like in those things in the right place, then I'm doing it for the right motivation. Mm-hmm. But when I need you to love me <laughs> and I want you to like me and I want you to think that I'm great and I want you to think that there's that, that I am this something you know what I mean? Then all of a sudden, all the work that I'm doing ends up being out of the wrong motivation. So you can see me doing the exact same thing. And if you don't, if I'm in a, if I'm living out of my addiction, 
I'm living out of like, I need you to love me. And if I'm living out of my recovery, it's because I know at my core, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's like, it's, it's, I'm not going to say it's not exhausting in the sense of sometimes it really is, but it's like, you really do become like the, the closest five people in your life. And it's like surrounding myself with proper partners and friends and people has really, really, really given me like this ability to kind of, to jump out on some of these things we're doing with momentum and some of these other things that are external and not need to have that validation from people, you know, and just Mm -hmm. to do it because I know it's the right thing to do. Wow. Wow. External validation. I would say that so many of us live in that space because, you know, there's a part of like who doesn't want to be adored Mm -hmm. and validated Mm -hmm. and affirmed Mm -hmm. because then we know that we're doing a good job or we're in the right space or like we're amazing Mm -hmm. because everybody wants that. But I think it's, yeah. And, and, you know, even as I sit here, I'm like, even though I'm at this, like I'm the host and executive producer of a women's Christian talk show, there still is that space. I'm still like battling to say, what's my true motivation? Like when I don't get the likes I get on Instagram. Sure. Or I get as many views and things that I do. Does that, do I suck? <laughs> like, am I not relevant anymore? Am I completely obsolete? Because as I get old, you know what I'm saying? Like all these things. And then it's it's scary because you could, you could easily go there and like direct your life to ensure that that happens. Or am I my authentic mm-hmm. self? And like my value comes from from God mm-hmm. and I may not have to do anything. Well, actually I don't have to do anything for him to still love me. I think that's a big thing. I think, and we've talked about this before, Graham, this whole idea of we're in a society and culture where productivity equals value. Yeah. The more you produce, the more valuable you are to society. And if you don't produce, then you're actually not as valuable. Yeah. You're not contributing to, to our consumeristic, sure. you know, society. And I think that's driven me too. I think it, it drives a lot of people. And, and it's great when we're like killing it. Sure, you know for what I mean? sure. This is like then all the dopamine hits yeah, and go, you're go, just go like, you're on fire. all the chemicals are firing. And, <laughs> right, and right. like, it's amazing. But as soon as something happens that potentially you can't control uh, or you're not able to do the thing that you, everybody wants us to do, or you fall down or you fail or all this, all of a sudden like that, that would drop me into like a deep, deep, depression Mm. and it's just like well I clearly am useless I'm clearly not the person that I've lied to myself I've lied to you you know all of these things and and my value system would just be completely eroded and self-esteem and it's so funny like I think the most powerful the the strongest you know we talk about strength you know is in your vulnerability, you're able to just be honest. That Those are the strongest people that I, I want to model my life after that. That, you know what, I actually don't know what I'm doing right now. Yeah. I actually don't know what's happening right now. I don't even know how I'm feeling right now. But I know that we're going to figure it out and we're going to do it together. But it's going to be done with integrity and it's going to be done with character. And it's going to be okay if I'm not the one who figures it out. Yeah, You know, yeah. I, I can't save... Like what a narcissistic kind of sociopathic tendency to have to be like, I can save you and I can save you yeah. and I can do this. It's like the Messiah can, complex, seriously, right? And it's like, come on, like yeah. get, you don't need to carry that. And, and I say this now with more embarrassment than shame, 
but there's been a lot of shame, you know what I mean? Because in that, when you think you can do these things, there's just a path of destruction that comes behind you. And it's like, I just, you wanted, if you wanted to write a book about the things not to do, you know what I mean? Like, I think I've got that for everyone to kind of take a look at. It's like, maybe you need to write that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that's your next project. Totally. I don't want to, I don't want to add any more yeah, to you, sure, but sure. so Graham in all that I'm hearing you, you, you keep saying recovery and addiction mm-hmm. and, I think we need to chat about that because, you know, there, as we talked about, there, everybody has some form, like what you mentioned, like of addiction, but obviously this is, this is a big part of your story mm-hmm. and, and still your story today. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Are you good with talking about that? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. So yeah. how does that come? So we're, so let's go back just quick. So you're feeling like a chameleon, you're wanting validation from people, you're, you're multiple, I don't want to say multiple personalities, kind of like lives lives and so let's sort of talk through maybe some key things that happened and then how did you get into this addiction yeah I think that the the numbing kind of tendency and the addictive personality been there from from kind of like day one so like I'm I'm an all-in or all out type of person. So if I'm doing something, I'm 100% into it, and I can't see anything beside me. I can't see anything above me, below me. It's like whatever's right in front of me. Very, very driven human. And um, and like a like a, is there saying like a dog with a bone? Like mm-hmm. that's kind of that's kind of been my my life. So so when when I talk a lot about like if I'm living out of addiction or living out of recovery. It's not like, am I doing substances or not? It's like, what kind of decision-making, what kind of thought processes, what, what am I doing with my emotions? How am I regulating them? And then, um, and so it's like, but when I get super focused and very, very like driven, I know that that isn't healthy for me or anyone around me. So, but wanting, you know, at, at 18 years old, um, 19 years old I hit a deer on a motorcycle and it kind of changed the trajectory of my life in a way that was just like you know no one could have ever you know projected and it was like I I was in the hospital for quite a long time I've had multiple surgeries the last surgery wasn't even that long ago to be honest um you know with compound fractures and all these types of things and, and I hit a deer um on my motorcycle and and out of that, um, wow. it changed, like, I, in these weird, grandiose kind of thoughts, I thought that I was going to potentially do soccer or go to university, do all these things. And in the end, I ended up in the hospital. And so from there, um, you know, I, uh, I ended up just really playing lots of music, lots of guitar. You know, I was taking some music history lessons and some, you know, all of the you know, the things that I could do while I was laid up. And out of that, I ended up playing in a, in a, in a, a pop rock Christian band, you know, uh, at 19 where, or 20 at that point, I guess. And I was like, Kane, I couldn't carry my gear. My, my whole body was still, I had to sit and play for parts of the, the first few shows that we did. And it so was, you weren't doing any like BTS dancing or anything. Well, you like, know what? like, you know, that was definitely in my head. You know <laughs> what I mean? While you're sitting yeah, here, like, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. actually like, yeah, I'm doing the, yeah, moves. doing the moves. I got this. I got this. <laughs> and, um, and so that, that's kind of where it started. And I just got mm-hmm. this, this, um, I saw, whoa, I actually have a skill set here that people actually want. Um, and, 
and I want, and I really enjoy doing it. It kind of hit all the validation buttons and it's just like, Oh, maybe this could happen. So I, I played with this band called box tree um, for a few years. And in that, I actually ended up meeting um, my now ex-wife and uh, we, we had a, we were married for almost nine years and, you know, it was like the same kind of beast that, that led me down. All of these things led me down, like chasing after this, you know, the dream, you know what I mean? Yeah. Of like um, performing and doing music and, and you lie to yourself. You think that like I lied to myself. I don't want to tell you. I lied to myself thinking that my job doing this and bringing, you know, this to the world was the most important thing. It was, it was like, I, I ended up being a fairly, and this, these are all words that when I say them out loud, like I cringe a little bit, but I use the cringiness to kind of help with my kind of recovery and all that kind of stuff. But like, I, I felt like I was actually better than other people. And it's like, I felt like, like I became a pretentious, like, you know, whatever, Jerk? whatever <laughs> word you Jerk? want. Yeah, um, that, that, yeah, I got that it. Works. Yeah, yeah. But it's just like, because of, what I'm doing and, you know, the, the stages that I'm playing on and the people that I'm, you know, impacting that I ha have more value than other people. And it's like, it's no, it's no shock that this is like my, whatever you want, kryptonite or the mm -hmm. thing that I battle my whole life. And so, so I, I, I played music and I did that re at a really high level and with some incredible people for a long, long time. But noticing that it, that I was starting to get burnt out because I was um, I wasn't doing any sort of self care. You know, I started drinking a little bit more. You know, I started you know I started I started like um, um, dabbling into some some like non um, legal drugs and just like started to self medicate on some of these things. And it got to the place where about six years ago. I, um, maybe seven years ago now, I, um, I kind of like, I was in business with, a with, um, d with, a another artist and we were, we had a studio or we we're working towards having a studio and we were, um, you know, playing lots and I did a whole bunch of shows in, a, in one year and just like burnt out. And, um, in that burnout, I had started using cocaine as like, uh, as just out and about. So we would go on the road for a month and I'd be back for a month. And in that month, you know, the people that I was hanging around with, the only other people that could hang out during the day and at evening were also, you know what I mean, using and probably not the healthiest. Yeah. And um, I just found this deep sense of community with this group of people who, um, who I really, I felt loved, you know what I mean? And it was like a different version of what I'd felt before, but I felt accepted. I didn't have to be anything for them. They didn't know what or how I did. They didn't see the other life or any of that kind of stuff. They would hear about it, but not experience it. And so in that, um, I ended up quitting music. I ended up um, quitting everything. And I got an opportunity to get into a marketing agency and working with some of this. And Are you still married at this time? Or no, is, did it end then? Yeah, yeah the marriage ended, um, ended after... Um, you know, it's just like all the things that you just don't want to say, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, it's, it, I, um, I ended up traveling a lot more. She ended up staying at home a lot more. We stopped making her as a focus. Um, you know, she's one of the most beautiful humans that I've ever met. You know, she, God is totally, um, um, 
given her a new life. She's remarried, has a couple of children. She's extremely, you know, we don't necessarily talk, mm-hmm. uh, but seems really extremely happy. And, and God just, well, there's a redemption yeah. in that story, you know? And um, I wasn't quite ready for that at that point. And so yeah. I, I kind of went the other way and headed to Nashville, spending time with friends and trying to create this life that I'm, that I've dreamt of. And from the outsider's perspective, you would think, oh, that guy made it. He's there. And it was just never enough. It was just never enough. It was just never enough. And um, to the point where I had so many things out there that I wasn't able to just, I wasn't able to keep up. And so I started using drugs more and more. And I ended up with a really heavy cocaine addiction for about 10, eight to 10 years of that. And that just led into more and more and more and more and more. And you kind of get what you chase after. You know what I mean? It's like the, there, there ended up being some really crazy kind of opportunities with lots of people and around the marketing thing. It's just like the expense accounts and the trips and the whining and the dining. It just fed all into this, like, I'm, I'm it. I'm the thing. I'm... You know, I'm what I always wanted to totally. be, right? I want to be better than anybody else, totally. and I'm the man. Yeah, like, totally. Yeah. And yet, inside, you know what I mean? Just yeah. feeling more and more and more, you know, despair. And it would have been about, it was 2018, um, a friend's company went public, and we went on like a, we went in November, we went on to like a pretty extreme bender, and in the end, it just all broke down. You know, I wonder, grab some coffee because yeah. it's getting cold. Um, I wonder how many people, and, and probably lots of people, are doing that right now. You know that? Like, they're living their best life on Insta out there, mm-hmm. but then they go home mm-hmm. and they cry themselves to sleep yeah. in their bed because they're so broken and then they this is not who they are or it's exhausting to keep up or they're not at peace yeah. and, or they're, t- they're afraid they'll be found out that they're fraud. Totally. Do you know I mean like yeah. I, I bet there's thousands and thousands of people and, and people who are listening even to us where it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I put on this front and make my life look amazing. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm deeply lonely and deeply broken and I'm exhausted and I don't know how long I can do this. Mm-hmm. So then it makes sense. Then you medicate and you know, you get addicted to things to make you feel good to kind of keep this, persona up Mm -hmm. and that's why I think Graham it's so good about this sort of like authentic living because the other part too is people are probably freaking out about that because it's like well will people really accept me if they actually know who I really am sure will they like me for this this yeah um and I think what's sad is a lot of people aren't willing to risk being this is who I am but also I think it's legit because people have tried to be honest and say here I am and have been rejected and rejection And rejection is the worst. It sucks. Yeah. Rejection, abandonment. I get that. I mean, through my divorce, I think I couldn't, I didn't know what the word was when he left and I was trying to figure it out and it was like grief and it was, but it was, it was rejection and abandonment, mm. which is, I think some of the biggest fears of humankind mm-hmm. to actually be left or rejected or abandoned because of who you are. And mm-hmm. I think that's what I had to really process in therapy for a long time. It's like, am I not good enough? Was I not good enough? that somebody would like leave me, mm-hmm. like reject mm-hmm. me. And cause you know, especially in a marriage, I mean, this is your, you're the most vulnerable in yourself, you know, behind closed doors and you feel like you can be yourself cause that's the safest, safest place it should be. And that's my own experience, but I get that. So 
yeah, I think it's just acknowledging for many people, yeah, who are listening to say, yeah, we get it, but you can't live that way for long. You'll either crash and burn or you'll crash and burn. Like it's, you can't do it or, or you end up living a life that's not your own. That's not your real life. Right. And, and in that space, like, you know, hearing you talk about from the other side of it, feeling rejected and abandoned and me on the other side of it, who would have been the person who caused that in, in, in Jen, my ex, it's like, I see, it's like, I wish that at the time I could have just said no and be honest, be like, no, I'm rejecting you before you reject me because I don't want, I don't want to feel the rejection. You know what I mean? And in the end, it's like you end up doing the thing that you're scared of the most. And so it's like, (laughs) it's like the, I am so, I want everybody to love me. I, it's the, it's crazy. It's not even possible. It's not, it's It's like, come on, there's, but (laughs) I, I will dance like whatever you need me to do just so that you kind of like me in that moment. And, and it's like, I've come to really understand that that is so, it's been so unhealthy and it's led me down these crazy, crazy paths. And do I have it all figured out now? Absolutely not. You know what I mean? But am I conscious of it? And you know, have some like weird boundaries where you're like, what do you, what do you mean? No. And I'm just like, well, no, I got to say no right now because I'm going to be doing it for the wrong reason, you know? And, and it's, it's like, I've created, you know, this, this, these tools and the support system to allow me to be able to say no and not be crippled for weeks afterwards. Right. right? And so that's like, yeah, it's, it's, it is unique. So addiction, Mm -hmm. you know, your cocaine addiction, was it to keep up with life? Was it, the numbing of, you know, of, of you didn't want to like deal with your true self. Like what, what was the motivation for you with, with cocaine? Yeah, I think it's probably all the above. I think it started out by like, I am like the thing that I think I am when I'm on that drug. So it's like, I'm Superman on this drug. I can do anything. And I think I have better ideas. I think I'm more creative. I think I have like, more uh, staying power and I've got longer I can go go longer wake up earlier all of the things and it's like I don't know who told us the lie that working you know tons of hours and only getting like two or three hours of sleep a night is like really cool and like Mm. it's like it's it's just not no, you know it's not I mean? cool. It's like actually some, sleep is cool. Some, Graham. <laughs> sleep is cool. <laughs> and maybe it's just because I'm old, but it's just like it's like I and I still don't need a lot of sleep in general, yeah. to be honest. Like I needed I just like but I was doing I would go for like months on end with only a couple hours of sleep a night. And I was pretty good in the morning. And I, I had this whatever whatever reason I had a rule that I wouldn't do coke before noon. Oh, you know what I mean, it's good, like good for you. Yeah, like, good for you. Boundaries just, and just like some real boundaries, <laughs> and it's like you just can convince yourself yeah. that you're okay. And then, but mostly it would be like taking clients out in the afternoon, and that's when it would kind of start okay. start off. And then, and then it became this thing where it's like it was actually when I was sober, I hated who I was, mm. and so I would just you know do some bumps and get it. You know what I mean? Be feel a hundred percent like I'm. I am it. I'm the thing, you know, and all of this is like, I, I'm hearing myself say this out loud. And so it's, it is really, it is embarrassing that, that for sure that this was like, that I got to this place, but I'm just being honest. This is what it was. And it's like, um, 
And in my recovery, just on a total side note, I don't know why I want, even want to say this, but it's like I um, I went, you know, I saw a psychiatrist, I saw a therapist, psychologist, like in when I when I got, went into my um, rehab program. And, you know, I'm begging for them to say, this is why you are like this, or this is why you're like this. Or, you know, I want to blame something because I, you know, there's some trauma in my life as a young kid and some of these things, but I'm, it's like, I'm looking, why am I making this decision today to do like this? And the reality is, is that, you know, there was, there was some, you know, um, bipolar conversations, some hypomania conversations, some of these things like to put him on medication, this and that. And in the end, um, I ended up just realizing that it's like there's a whole emotional response and a thought pattern that led me to this place. And from there, it's like the only person that I can really blame is myself. And so it's like I had to take responsibility for the train wreck and for harming people emotionally um, in a way that I just, it's like there's still cringy shame attached to it, but not so much that it's driving my behavior. And so when I say that, I mean, like at the beginning of my recovery, I worked in some nonprofits and did some things that I just like the motivation was driven by shame. I'm trying to rectify my past. And now um, I get to like, I'm doing lots of work, you know, with, with some nonprofits, including like um, IJM, which we have partnered with even on this podcast. And, and just like the, I have this deep sense of like urgency to help but it has nothing to do with my past. Wow. It's not the shame driving that's it. It's freeing. And I don't even know how I got here. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like that's, it's like, I wish I, I can tell you that it's the check-ins and it's this and that, but it's like the, there's still, I still feel a lot of shame. And, you know, I, I, I message people weekly making amends, you know what I mean? Um, and it's probably at this point more for me, it's probably helping me out more than it's helping them. But it's um, in the end, I, I just feel this strong sense of like what's next and and how to use, you know, my past as a, a jumping off of what's next and not having it handcuff me from from what I feel like, you know, God's calling us to do. Yeah. Hi, this is Becca, the associate producer of See Here Love, interrupting this great conversation to let you know that there are more shows and great content and blogs at seeherelove.com and our YouTube channel. Content to help you and give you tools as you care for your mental health, relationships, being single, being married, family issues, your self-confidence. We're here for you to help you find joy and small wins in your everyday as we lean into relationship with Jesus and intentional community. So check us out at seeherelove.com. And if you want to help us keep making this kind of content, you can donate to us at seeherelove.com slash donate. And really, to keep Melinda and I working and with jobs, donate. And finally, if you found this episode inspiring, please take a moment to share it with someone who would enjoy it and to rate and review our podcast. It really helps. Now back to Melinda to tell you what our amazing partners are up to. Well, these past 18 months have been so hard on many aspects of our lives, whether it's mental health, relationships, addictions, or finances. We all have areas that need strengthening right now. I know because I've heard this from so many of you and it's impacted my family and even myself. And so that's why we chose this as the theme for our summer series, SOS, Summer of Strength. 
And that's also why I'm so excited that we're teaming up with David Ash and his Simple Wealth book to help strengthen a critical part of our lives that we don't always like to talk about or even know what to do with. And David has a remarkable story of going from bankruptcy at 28 to building a significant wealth that allows him to have the time and resources to invest in the things of Jesus, loving all people, and pursuing things his family feels called to. Well, David wrote Simple Wealth for his own adult kids to pass on everything he's learned about the importance of building wealth in a way that is simple and accessible. Now, you can read this book in a weekend, and it has the power to strengthen your financial future for good with very simple principles. Check out simplewealth.com slash love to get your copy of Simple Wealth today. So, wow. Um, so we were talking about addiction and I think people are going to be like, but then how did you then go into recovery? Mm. Like what was, was it a trigger point? Was it an event? What made it go now? We went from addiction to now in recovery. Yeah. So after that kind of like, it was a almost a four day kind of like celebratory bender. Um, I, I got back to my house and I got into my bedroom and I just fell to my knees and I just, cried and cried and cried and I was just like I am so over this empty empty feeling and I don't there's there's some other things that were surrounding that you know that that helped cause that pressure and that pain but I just was like I'm done and so I I detoxed myself um which is super dangerous by the way to if you are thinking about getting um sober and and clean not to detox by yourself without the help of a, like a doctor or, and, or, you know, we can put some, some stuff in the, the show notes to help potentially just, you know, so yeah, people can have some help. Mm-hmm. But I, I spent, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I went into, um, um, AHS, like an outpatient program and, uh, and just kind of started the process. And I, um, but wait, you literally, had a big bender yeah and you came home and we're just like i can't do this anymore like cried it really out. was that it literally was like i just cried out i literally cried out to god and said i need you i need you like i need you i can't i can't do this on my own anymore and um just the the amount there i i can't even tell you how stripped and how broken and how just like I felt I felt absolutely um useless and I felt I felt like just so I like the despair is is like there's not even a word to help describe how I felt and part of that is all the chemicals and part of that's all the thing but there's just a very you know spiritual an emotional reaction to like, this was it. And I don't know how I knew. And I said, I didn't even know where to go. I still thought that I could kind of like control, you know, like some of the outcomes of some of these things. But, you know, was at the, at the agency, I went into the CEO and I just said, Hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I, I messaged him. I didn't see him. Um, and there's another partner there that um, I, I, I talked to first and um, we took about a week before we kind of figured out what that looked like. Um, but I, I got rid of all my stuff within the next couple of weeks. Did you get rid of all your friends? 
unfortunately, um, that that just wasn't even an option in the sense of like there I didn't even know what or where to go, you know. So it was very lonely, but it was like the right thing, and and it was just before Christmas. So I just had this thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to quit all the work. I'm going to just put everything on pause. I'm going to go go home for Christmas, and I'm not going to tell anybody. And then when everybody leaves, I'm going to come clean to my parents. And that was like, I can't, I don't even know what I'd be. It'd be curious to hear from, you know, some, some of the outside family members, what I looked like, you know, like I've seen pictures even back then. And I was very gray. I, I weigh almost 40 pounds more than what I weighed then. And I'm still fairly skinny. You know, um, it's like, I was like a shell of, of a human. And, um, and when I had this conversation with my parents and I just was honest with them and said, Hey, listen, and I wanted to just say, I just wanted to say that I had a substance abuse problem because they would just assume that it was alcohol because it's like it's in ran in the family and there's some things, but alcohol is like, that's not where that doesn't get me up in the morning. You know what I mean? It was this idea of like feeling, you know, bigger than life. And, um, and I had this conversation and, and my mom who had an alcoholic father and her brothers, you know, um, struggled with it. My dad, you know, I could see the triggers just happening in her eyes, but she was able to just put it all back. Mm. And, you know, the disappointment was probably me projecting on them a little bit, but I could, there was fear in their eyes. And then there was just this like acceptance, like it wasn't even an option. You're getting rid of all your stuff and you're moving in with us. And I fought that at first because like 40 year old dude <laughs> moving in with her parents. And now it's like, I still live there yeah. two and a half years later. Listen, I would live with my parents. Yeah. It's a sweet deal. My mom's a good cook. Seriously. My dad, like everything's how did I gain that 40, <laughs> How did I gain that 40 pounds? Patricia Jane's cooking. Nice. Yeah, totally. There you go, mama. Okay. Yeah. And so it's like, it's that unique kind of, kind of space and and I fought it and I said well this will do I'll do this kind of I'll do the outpatient here and then I'll keep place in Calgary and and kind of my parents live in insured park and 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 then all of that all that happened but just the love and I just cried and cried and cried and then I did my recovery and I sat on a couch for months like I was so like the process was I I tell this to um everyone I know actually <laughs> so I might as well tell you <laughs> is that I I feel and sense and know when somebody's ready for their for for recovery and we're ready to give it up because they're willing to do anything whether it means cut up the credit cards whether it means give the bank account to their accountability whether it means um, there's the pride is gone you know you have to you have to release everything and give that up and and there's a there's like a for me obviously there's a massive faith journey to this as well, mm. but there's a very 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 practical journey that this wasn't something that I was able to just pray away and and I wish I could have you know yeah. what I mean but but no there was some there's some deep deep work that I do daily to to continue on my journey and the substance abuse thing isn't isn't as like listen anyone is capable of anything and who knows what's going to happen but. I feel really confident that I have all the checks and bounds in place that there won't be a substance relapse. You know what I mean? If I relapse and I do regularly around character and 
less character, but more behavioral. Whereas it's like I'm living out of it, my addiction versus out of recovery, which we talked about. Yeah. But that process has been, I couldn't have done it without my parents. You know, it was like, I just, I am so grateful and it doesn't go kind of unnoticed that not everybody has that type of a support system. So I, I can I thank God and I thank my parents and it's just, you know, it's been, it's been an insane journey um, that has led me, you know, here today. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, I'm just so grateful for it yet. It is freaking painful. Some of it. Really? You know, Graham, I said this to you when we first started that I'm so glad you're here mm. and it wasn't here in the studio, mm-hmm. but that you're actually alive in mm. here. And I think that's just the beautiful story of God. Like, you know, I'm listening and there's so much about redemption and so much about healing and so much about second chances. And I think, I think that's the story of like us, but also God's story within our story. Like he's like, yeah, like I'm here and you have free will and you can go make your decisions, Mm -hmm. but no, those decisions that come out of yourself and motivated by yourself are going to harm you and hurt you. Mm. And I, I'm so thankful that, you know, after the big bender, you still felt close enough and good enough to go to God. Mm. And I say that because so many people that live in shame and make decisions, Mm. not only to people, to be honest, but they have serious blocks with coming to God. And I think your story shares it. And actually God's the one who actually will fully embrace you and take you with no judgment. And I want people to know that because people have, you know, so many people aren't about Jesus because they've seen too many judgmental people or too many blocks. But I want to say it today, and I think your story is beautifully said, that actually of anybody, God is the one, Jesus is the one who will fully embrace you as you are. Hmm. You know, so, you know, if you're listening and you're afraid, you know, I think you're a great example that it's like, no, actually you can just go and say, wow, it's been a long time. I've been doing my own thing. But God, I really need you. Mm-hmm. And then second to that, and again, it's it is, you know, in my context and yours, like I had great parents who stuck with me in all the crap I did. And so there's two things. I think I understand there's a lot of listeners who don't have great parents. And so I think that's even more important to find mentors, to find your people, church, find those people, older generation to help you. But I think also shout out to parents, you know, Mm -hmm. Graham, when I go and speak to women's conferences, I'm always looking at women who are moms. And when I talk to, you know, go to conferences with men, like you got to be a good dad and a good parent because your decisions, how you love or not love will impact your kids and generations to generations to come. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's a, it's, it's all of us, you know, I know we're broken and I know it's hard, but trying to live in a space of authenticity and unconditional love changes everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's like, and so I'm thankful for your parents. And I think I always get emotional because I have a special connection with my dad and I, I'll get emotional just talking about how dads, you know, in their decision to love and care mm-hmm. can change a kid's life. Mm-hmm. Cause my dad's forgiveness completely changed mine, mm-hmm. you know? And my mom's cooking. My mom makes amazing pierogies. Yes. Pet I have. Yes. <laughs> and borscht. And so it's so awesome that your mom like fattened you up and mm-hmm. got you there. But I just think that's really awesome that those those parts 
were really key in like your recovery and where you are today. Mm-hmm. So shout out to God, shout out to parents, yeah. you know? So I think that's amazing. And, and in that I want to talk about the four points that you said, because I think it's really important for your story. And maybe we can just talk about what that means. Cause I think people are like, okay, so I'm hearing Graham's story. I could be in recovery. I could be an addiction. I could be living my like false self. I'm still stuck on external validation, right? All these things. So then let's talk through, Graham. You talked about living this life of radical honesty. So what does that mean? Because I think people, so we'll start with that one because I want to go through the four because I think it's important. So what does that mean to live in radical honesty? I think it's it's as much about being honest with myself mm-hmm. as it is about being honest with others. You know, it's like there, you know, in, in addiction, you end up, you're everything that you do, you're trying to strategize to find a way to do the thing that you're thinking about to do. So all of the other things are just like a way to get there. Mm-hmm. And so in that radical honesty, you know, it's funny, we have a mutual friend, Matt Grieve, who, who it would have been, Two, it had been a month after I came clean to my parents. Him and I um, connected at a, at a conference that I was um, in Edmonton, and he was emceeing something, and we ended up afterwards hanging out, and I was just really honest with him. And from that day since, we've either talked or text, messaged back and forth a little bit, you know, and me being honest with him and being able to be and to see that there was – the 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 his response isn't judgment his response wasn't to like condemn his response was to be like hey let's journey this and figure this out and so it allowed me to even be i knew that it was that it was the only way that i could survive is by being honest but i i was really honest with a couple key people who responded in like love grace and mercy versus like the condemnation you need to do this better you need to do that better and out of that it just proves that it's like okay i'm going to just live a very radically honest life i'm i'm going to do this this and this i'm going to be honest with myself i feel this way right now but that isn't what maybe what reality is i will do these things because i know they're the right things to do but in that radical honesty, I feel like there's accountability. And so, so it's, it's um, I can't live in any sort of shade. I can't live in the shadows. It literally is like, this is where I am and this is who I am. And in that, if you don't love that, then there's nothing, doesn't mean I'm right and you're wrong or vice versa. It legitimately just means that we're probably not here doing life together. And so you find the people who will hear you. You'll talk your boundaries. You tell the things that you need to be the best version of yourself. And then they support you versus condemning you. And so that's been like a big check-in for me. If I'm not fully able to be like really honest with Trevor and with Matt and, you know, a couple other people in my life, I, I legitimately know that there's something wrong. And so it's like just another little red flag. And it's usually nothing major. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, why didn't you tell me you text, you know, let's say for me, I'm single. So it's like if there's like, you know, a relationship that is is maybe, you know, happening, why didn't you message that? Why did I message that person and not feel I I could talk to somebody else about it? You know, Mm. I'm just grasping at, you know, things right now. But that to being, being said, it's like that radical honesty allows me to be honest with myself, honest with God, honest with people. 
And, and those three things are, are, are what's going to keep me clean. Awesome. And for some people like, oh my goodness, they're terrified of it. But then that's actually like real living. Like if you think about it, how many people are not actually really living their life? Mm -hmm. Like I know that sounds crazy, but like people are walking around living somebody else's life, living a fake life. They're actually not living their life. And that's, that's, it's like, I can, I can imagine people are like, okay, that's terrifying. Because again, like we talked about, people might not like me. But here's the thing. People don't like you. Yeah. I, <laughs> like, I think people have to realize like seriously, there are people that don't like you. Yeah. So like, here's a big message for all of you out there who are trying to get everyone to like you. They don't. Or even understand you. Understand right? you. Exactly. So like release that and get on with your life yeah. and just live your authentic life. Oh my yeah. goodness. I love that. Okay. I think in that you then said, um, there's authentic living, mm-hmm. which I think it ties in, but authentic living means. For me, it is, is very specific about the motivation in which I'm doing mm-hmm. things, right? So it's like, if my motivation is to, to actually have you, you know, affirm what I'm doing, then that is inauthentic living it, you know, for myself. And, and so they, these can be, you know, you can use words and, yeah. you know, things for yourself. But for me, it's like when I'm living out of like, like this is, I want to do this because this is at my core what I feel like I need to be doing. It's what God's, you know, kind of imparted in me. Or as a group of people, we've come together and said, this is what God's saying for us to do. I'm living in that authenticity of like, but it's the mo- it's all about the motivation. So externally, it could look the exact same and I not be, and I wouldn't be living authentically. Yeah. I think that's good. I mean, it stems from, you know, way back church, living mm-hmm. multiple lives, needing that. Like, I think, yeah, I think the authentic living, you know, when I decided to do that myself, because there, I don't know if it's like growing up in church, being a missionary kid, mm. all the expectation of how I supposed to be. I mean, and, and then I went the extreme and just was exactly opposite. Mm-hmm. So people were like, look at her red lipstick, her big earrings, her big crimped hair, her, you know, her body suits and jeans. Like I was completely, I went kind of like this antithesis of Christianity just to kind of like, buck at it because sure. I, you know, I'm pretty creative and I'm pretty out there and love to dance and party in that way. And church always seems so staid and boring. Mm-hmm. So I did the other thing. Um, but that wasn't authentic either. Like I wasn't yep. actually, that wasn't authentic because it's more me trying to be like, you know, stick it to the man, yep. <laughs> you know, yep. but then f- the whole journey for me of trying to find as a woman. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Just so much of the validation affirmation for men and women and figuring all, what does that mean to be actually Melinda? Mm-hmm. So, you know, can I still laugh really loudly? Because in corporate settings, somebody told me once I laughed too loud. And what do we do with you? Because you're wearing fur and leather pants in a corporate office to go to work. And I'm like, well, I actually really love this, mm-hmm. you know? And yet, what was my motivation for that? But also embracing, like, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Like, so God created me to be. Here's my passions. I'm a woman. I'm a speaker. And so if churches didn't want me to speak some as a woman, well, then I'm not going to I'm not gonna bother with that. I'm mm-hmm. going to go to the places that accept me. So yeah, it's been a journey. It still is right. This whole sense of authentic living. I like that. All right. Your third one was, and I think it ties in vulnerable transparency, which I think is part of this honesty. But Mm -hmm. I think those words I think are terrifying to people, vulnerability and transparency. Yeah. And true vulnerability is not cool. You know, and like, it's not and like full transparency is not cool. It's, it's like, it's the opposite. Well, not, it doesn't have to be the opposite. It, it literally is just like what I needed to do to, for me to get um, clean and sober and down the right path was like really, really, really vulnerable and like 
honest about not being able to be the thing that whatever I thought you thought I was. And some of that, it's like, I, I go into, um, and it's funny, uh, even as we're talking about these things, I'm realizing that a lot of this is, has to do with doing and works and this mm. and that, you know, and cause that it's, it's, I'm in the midst of this. I'm not, I haven't figured it out. It's just, the thing is, is that it's like, I get so much validation out of the things that I can do versus the things that I can be. And so it's like, it's like, what kind of person do I want to be? Well, I want to be integral. I want to be kind. I want to have humility. You know, those are the things that I want to be, but I still tend to naturally go to the things that I can actually do. And so in this space, it's like, that's just another checklist of like, you know, the transparency, where am I living? Am I living out of my dues or am I living out of like who I am? And um, that is like a really, really, you know, me on autopilot without, you know, kind of be my awareness of how I'm being is not good for anyone. You know what I mean? I will go into a a mode because the neuroplasticity is still wired a certain way. And there's still like, we're talking years, 20 years of a certain way, even longer of us. And so me being conscious of it, just these check-ins every day, multiple times a day, allows me to just kind of keep, you know, keep yeah. at least in the right direction. And I have to kind of insert, like, well done. Like, I just want to affirm to you, like, it's hard work. And so many times you could have been like, I'm not going to be honest, it's too much work. So I just want to affirm to you, like, great job. And I love the last one where we talked about open-handedness. You mm. know, I love that. I, I'm a visual person. Mm. So, and we were laughing before about, like, you know, holding on, especially for girls with acrylics or bio gel, which I have on today. And like cl- you clench so much and you think you control everything and actually your nails start hurting you because they're digging in and you can bleed. So it's like, girl, mm. <laughs> open your hand and feel the freedom in which to live. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that because I know people say it, but what does it really mean to be open-handed? Like living, decisions, relationships, what does that look like? And why do we keep our, why do we live Many of us close-handed, like fisted. Mm-hmm. It's a control thing. Yeah, probably. for sure. You know what I mean? And, and a perfection thing. And, and for me, it is anyways. And it's like this idea of I can see, let's say, for instance, I want this situation to end up like this. And it's like, so I'll know what I want on the back end of it. And so what do I need to do to get that there? Versus now, it's just like, I'm pretty open about what the outcome actually ends up being because I can't control you, even though I will try, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And like, that was my go-to is like, if I can, if I can negotiate this, 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 and this, and this, and get you to see this perspective, and you see that perspective, da, 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 then I can get the thing that I want at the end. And a lot of times the means did not justify the end or in my mm. mind, you know, it didn't matter what the means were as long as the end happened. And so that's where all the destruction comes from, right? So this is the biggest thing for me in everything, in living in peace. The world is in chaos. Yeah. But but there's a way from, uh, I've personally found, and I'm not always good at it, but it's like I've touched it enough to know that I want to live in it, is that there can be peace in the midst of chaos. You know, your world can be crashing around you, but you can know that that the the outcome that God really does, really does care about that and really does care about you. And you might have a version of the outcome that actually isn't what's best for you. 
So I'll open handedly and you know me, I'm going at a lot of things. We're going at a ton of stuff. Yeah. But the reality is, is that I hold it all really open handed. If tomorrow somebody came to me and said, hey, this project isn't going to go forward because of this, I wouldn't kind of get in there and, and try and figure it out and, and, you know, break doors open. On the contrary, God and I have a deal legitimately nice. Nice. that it's like some people talk about you just got to work hard and break through that door and break through this. Him and I have this deal where I don't do that at all. It's like, because in, in my own kind of like ability, I've broken down some doors that just should have never been opened. And that just the pain that comes out of it is just so catastrophic that him and I now talk about like, okay, if these doors open, I will walk through them. If they're shut, I'll, I will do a tiny little knock. You know what I mean? I'll be like gentle about it. I might even try the doorknob, you know what I mean? But if it's locked and I don't have a key, I'm not breaking it down. And I'll wait for God to open up that door if it's ever supposed to be open. And so, so when I say open handed, that's how, that's how I need to live or I'll live out of my addiction, not my recovery. I love that you have a deal with God. I actually, I, I, people laugh. I always, when I talk to God, I'm always like, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. So I went to one of my friend, my pastor friends, Bruxy Cavey, who's a mentor and for many years from the meeting house. And I said, okay, theologically, is it cool that I ask God how he's doing? Like how, how is, how he's running the world? He's like, you can do whatever you want. Like it's, it is kind of weird because he's God, but I'm like, that's the kind of like personal relationship that I Mm -hmm. have in that Graham, for those who are tired of the church, feel that God wasn't there through some really horrible things, um, blame God, whatever. Mm -hmm. What would you say to them? Because God and your relationship with him has been through a very, very dynamic, if I can say, relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, you're with them, you're not with him, you leave them, you're away, you're with them. You know what I mean? It is a relationship, you know, through the years. But what would you say for those that are like, I don't know, like, should I? Should I kind of go back in and see what he's about or... What would you say? Like, why for you? Yeah. But also for those people who are like, yeah, I was, I'm exhausted by the church for being living multiple you know, lives and the expectation and judgment on me. And then I also didn't feel God was with me in some of like the, the most difficult times. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know that I can, like I'm the right person to have the authority on this. I can you just, don't have to be, you're, but you're you, the right person right now. I can tell you my perspective is that um, doesn't matter what community or what what people group you're in, um, there's like all sorts of dynamics. And so I just, my personal experience is I don't blame God for how somebody's treating me. Um, it's, it's really difficult when somebody has a platform and there's expectations and they let you down, whether it's your family members, whether it's a business partner, whether it's, it's like your pastor, your pastor you know, it's like people are going to, People are going to let you down. That that is legitimately life. And so, I had, and I can't even. I don't even know where this came from. But I've just never, you know, when somebody's let me down, I've never blamed God for that. And so that's been my own personal journey. And I can't give you an answer why. You know what I mean? I just I have family members who blame God. We went through the same thing, and 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 they they God is just not a part of their lives anymore. Yeah. And, and yet for me, there's just this thing that I've always known that, that God is, is there. And so, 
but I don't believe that he's trying to cause me harm. I think he just cares so much that sometimes bad things are going to happen. And, and, you know, I've gone through all sorts of it, but mostly because I've caused it myself, you know? And so it's like when somebody is the victim of it, that I, I really don't have an answer for, you know, it, 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 my heart goes out. Um, but in the end, you are responsible for how you react and you're responsible for your actions. And, and if you're using anything, and this is maybe as hard of a conversation as I would ever have, or a statement potentially, anything you're using to um, qualify or use it as an excuse for poor behavior, it's not that person's fault anymore. Now it's, you can only control you. And so those are the things that you need to just really, you know, whether it's forgiveness or whether whatever that looks like. And I don't know the pathway for you, for, for you or, or whoever to get there. I just know that if you're, if you're reacting out of um, what somebody else has done to you, it's like you, you probably have the right to do that potentially in whatever scenario you, you have the right to, to be upset. You have the right, but is that going to bring you freedom? Is that going to bring you an opportunity to come to grips with some of the things that you probably need to work on yourself? And I just, I feel like, you know, excuses for me and like this I don't even know how, how I'm coming across here because I'm the most compassionate non-judgmental human in the world because I've been given so much grace yeah. in my journey I just know that for me as soon as I stopped using these some of these things as excuses for why I got to where I was was the moment that I was able to get free wow bam that's it too many of wow it's so good too many of us blame so many other things and I think some of the most powerful stories I've heard are people who have had gone through horrendous things and yet forgave mm. and didn't remain the victim mm -hmm. and spoke up and then started doing incredible things about standing up against injustice. Like it's an, it's an amazing thing. You can you literally have two people go through the same things and totally two different outcomes based on, yeah, their response mm -hmm. and based on their decision to go forward or not. Mm -hmm. And too many people are not going forward. Too many people are stuck in, but they deserve my, my anger. They deserve my punishment. They deserve it. They deserve it. And at the end, we know this. It's like when you don't forgive, it's like you're actually like keeping yourself imprisoned from freedom. You're really amazing. You know, this is the, you know, we've talked over zoom the last little while, but I never really sort of heard your story. And now I'm your biggest fan. You know, okay, you might have a lot of other fans, but I'm just saying I really appreciate your honesty and authenticity and vulnerability and sharing. It's not easy, especially sort of exposing your life and decisions and things. Uh, to and I might the world. not have been super articulate throughout this whole thing, the storyline all over the place. No, but, no, but you know what? Yeah. You, you know, it was perfect. It was perfect. In that, I, you know, I'm so excited again that we're partnering. I think mm. that's what I love. Like, it's not just like, business partnership, but it's like friendship. Mm -hmm. And to hear you now, Graham, share more, it makes me more say, awesome. Like this is the kind of people that I want to partner with and connect with because I want to be with people that are authentic and honest mm -hmm. and, and, you know, open, you know, I'm, I'm exhausted with people who are fronting mm. and aren't their true self. So this is amazing. And then that I know that momentum has a, some really exciting things coming up, mm -hmm. right? Like, 
I don't know, we can talk about it, more partnerships or more things happening. Yeah. And we can, we can, there's, there'll be lots of opportunities to kind of get into it. I'm hoping, you know, like in the fall, I'm really excited about creating a couple more series with you and seeing if we can kind of do some other kind of, you know, joint partnerships, which I'm, this has been just a blast for us. And, and, um, and it's been, it's been like, it's been really cool to hear other people's stories, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. what, what kind of like makes them kind of take and what brought them here. But yeah, we've, as, as momentum, we've, you know, the one thing I will have to say that is like really key and core to, to my heart is, um, the, the idea of protecting people who can't protect themselves, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like the vulnerable and, and the work that international justice mission is doing and, and our ability to kind of come alongside them as a, um, as an organization to really, and so momentum has partnered with them in a whole bunch of different ways to try and tell their story and to try and obviously, um, it's expensive. They, they use the legal system, you know what I mean? To, to petition governments to try and change laws to help protect these kids and, and, and men and women. And, and then, and so that's been a huge, like a very significant part of my, my last little journey that um, I can happily say has nothing to do with shame work. It has to do with the work, you know, nice. and, and feel the core of. And we've got a new, um, we've got a new book coming out um, that actually launches at the end of this week with um, um, one of our friends. His name's Daniel Kuman, and he wrote this book called Breath of Life, and it's the three breaths of God, and he unpacks that. And then we have actual a docu series coming out at the end of. Um, September or end of October that's going to actually do a full theatrical release um, in North America which is really exciting and and so we're we're it's that's it, cool it's very interesting I hope to get Daniel on your on your program and he can talk a little bit more about that yeah. and um, yeah we've got you know Trevor in this whole state you know him as the musician he is and he's hanging out with his kids a lot in this kind of like downtime pandemic and started writing these songs um, for what we're, we're now getting animated. So momentum kids and we're doing a magistation and it's like in, it's like a bunch of kids in, you know, caught stir crazy in the house. And we wrote this whole, you know, we're, we're writing right now, this whole kind of series around that, which is, we're, we're pretty pumped about. So there's a lot, lots and lots of like multiple podcasts, you know, you know, partnerships, including yours that I just feel like creating impact and creating an opportunity to help encourage people and tell people's stories so that they can know that it is okay, you're okay, it's going to be okay. You know, that idea of that, here's other people that are, you're not alone in this. And it's like, um, how do we, how do we do that properly? Well, it just is, is by, you know, having incredible humans like yourself come alongside and say, hey, I have a story that really is similar to yours. And I think people need to hear how, what the next steps are. And so why momentum exists at this point. Amazing. And I love the the name of momentum because I, and that's my kind of like language where it's like momentum and mm-hmm. movement and going mm-hmm. forward. So Graham, thank you so much. You know, as I think about just to recap all that you shared, you know, I love this radical honesty and authentic living, vulnerable, transparency and open handed I just love those. Those are for everybody things that they can live by. I think too, some just some thoughts about that your motivation matters. Where does that why are you doing what you're doing? Mm. A check in on are you pursuing external accolades and validation? Or do you understand that you are valuable and loved by God just as you are? Mm. I think 
parents, we did a shout out, but I think if you're a parent, maybe there's a time to check to say, am I loving my kid unconditionally? And how will I respond when something of a crisis comes up? Is it going to be, you know, of love and care or is it going to be judgment? I think hearing about you in the most broken state, still going to God and not being afraid that Mm. he won't listen was really key. And it's a reminder to people who think that you're too far away from God. You never are. Because here's here's the truth. He's always been with you. There. He never left. Yeah. I think what was really classy was just, you know, even going through a divorce, you know, you affirming and being honest about the relationship, but affirming her. And it's neat that in your story, her story was redeemed as well. Mm -hmm. And I think for those who've gone through divorce, um, that's a reminder too. If you're going through it or have gone through it, that, you know, there is redemption in that space. And then I think five-year-old you Mm -hmm. being a little disturber but I just think it's neat that even at a young age, you can still, you can make the decision to, for God. You can still, you know, God, God will, God will kind of like pursue at any age and, and that decision. And so there's just so much. I mean, I think for days, grandma will be kind of like processing all the things that you've said. And this was really enriching and life-giving to have you here. And to hear your story. And thank you. Thank you for for um, trusting me to, like, hear your story and talk about it. And I know it's hard and it's vulnerable and it's mm-hmm. out there. But know that so many people are going to be encouraged by it and strengthened. And we're hoping that they'll find freedom in areas like of addiction and of self-motivation and all that. So thank you so much. Thank you. I hope it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> Are yeah. you exhausted? I'm pretty sure we'll be processing this for a few more days <laughs> yeah. after this. Yeah. But you did a really great job. So oh, thanks, thanks so much for being here on See Here Love. And I'm super excited uh, for more partnership and maybe getting you back again mm-hmm. for the story. And I think we're going to also be chatting with Trevor, too, about his yep. story. Absolutely. So way to go, Graham. Way to go, Momentum. And thanks for being with me. Thank you. Well, these past 18 months have been so hard on many aspects of our lives, whether it's mental health relationships, addictions, or finances. We all have areas that need strengthening right now. I know because I've heard this from so many of you and it's impacted my family and even myself. And so that's why we chose this as the theme for our summer series, SOS, Summer of Strength. And that's also why I'm so excited that we're teaming up with David Ash and his Simple Wealth book to help strengthen a critical part of our lives that we don't always like to talk about or even know what to do with. David has a remarkable story of going from bankruptcy at 28 to building a significant wealth that allows him to have the time and resources to invest in the things of Jesus, loving all people, and pursuing things his family feels called to. Well, David wrote Simple Wealth for his own adult kids to pass on everything he's learned about the importance of building wealth in a way that is simple and accessible. Now, you can read this book in a weekend, and it has the power to strengthen your financial future for good with very simple principles. Check out simplewealth.com slash seeherelove to get your copy of Simple Wealth today. Did you know there are more people in slavery right now than at any point in history? I didn't know that. These people deserve freedom, and I believe that none of us are truly free until all of us are free. The world needs freedom partners, and I believe that Canada can be a leader in standing up for freedom, for the safety and equality 
of the most vulnerable. And so that's why I chose to partner with IJM Canada to invite Canadians like yourself to join with IJM to help bring hope and freedom to people living in fear, oppression, and slavery. IJM is on a mission to see 500 million people protected from violence by 2030, and we need your help. Will you join us as a freedom partner? Well, please go to IJM.ca to find out how you can help today. What an amazing conversation, eh, Melinda? Okay, I'm not really that Canadian, sorry, but wow. I love how Graham highlights that it wasn't just substance abuse that led to his addiction. It was the habits of thought developed from childhood to mask feelings of insufficiency and to cope with the need to look like the perfect Christian kid, because I can so relate to that. I accepted Jesus into my heart at a tent revival when I was four years old, if you can believe it. And as sweet as it is to have known I was saved since childhood, in times when I have not lived in integrity as a child of God, it has been so much easier to live in shame, putting on a mask and pretending and hiding, than to be transparent, authentic, vulnerable, and open-handed. To you, Graham, and to everyone who has lived that story, we are cheering you on. Send us a message on our website at seeherelove.com. We'd love to hear from you. And to you, Melinda, I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Back to you. Thanks, Becca. And I can't believe we are at the finale, the end, finito, of our SOS podcast series. What a journey it's been. A huge thank you to IJM Canada, David Ash and Simple Wealth Books, and Momentum Entertainment. And I did do my takeaways uh, with Graham in studio, but a huge shout out to Graham Sharkey for an amazing conversation uh, and an honest conversation. And I just loved that he was so open about his addiction and recovery. So thank you so much, Graham. And yeah, I think I need to do a quick little recap of the SOS series. Uh, some of these conversations were amazing. And really resonated with me, got me crying, got me laughing. But if you haven't listened to this Summer of Strength series, you must. You know, we started off with Lecrae and Jason Brown talking about racism and injustice and standing up for what is right and good and making choices that are hard because God calls you to do it. And so thankful for them. Then we went on to Stephanie Jackson and Deborah Folletta about what it takes to sort of weather infidelity and an affair in your marriage and how to be a good single, which will make you a really great married person, a great show on marriage and commitment and resilience and forgiveness. Then the next show, our number three was Rosie Rivera, which blew us away on her honest story about sexual trauma and abuse and losing her sister in a tragic plane accident and the choices that she made and then God's redemption and love that carried her through to who she is now, what she's doing now, an incredible story with Rosie, which I loved. And then we went to Henry and Alex Seeley talking about loving yourself, loving others and loving God and talking through with Alex about her eating disorder and how God really revealed value and love to her. And so that was a powerful story. Then we went to Lacey Sturm and her story of how God changed her and how she's living out love for all people and just from going from such a difficult childhood and teenage years to where God has brought her on a platform to use her voice and song and in story and just an amazing story of her. 
And then, yeah, we ended with Graham, Graham Sharkey, on his uh, addiction to cocaine and recovery and what it means to really live authentically and transparently. So if you missed any, please, please, please make sure that you go and listen and subscribe to, um, well, our podcast that you're listening to, but but make sure you listen to them. And thank you. Thank you for journeying with us, for your comments and about how the stories have changed you and convicted you and challenged you. And because of that, I know we said we were only going to do six of our SOS series, but we have decided that we are going to give you a bonus episode. So it'll be sort of number seven of our series. And that's with Kevin and Don Bralovich, who actually he, Kevin, was addicted to crystal meth and his journey of addiction and recovery and their marriage. And it's a fascinating story of the other side of somebody who is watching the one they love go through addiction. So their story is amazing. It will strengthen you in so many ways on your faith and love and commitment and healing. So thanks again. Thanks again to all of our partners. Thanks again to all of our amazing guests. Thanks again to our amazing producer, Becca Powell, who you've heard all throughout the show and who also edits all of the great work in each of our episodes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And until then, we hope that you are strengthened. We hope that you know that God loves you, that you are seen, heard, and deeply loved by God. And we've got so many great episodes and shows coming your way this fall. So make sure you stay with us. See ya. See Here Love with Melinda Estabrooks is a production of Crossroads Christian Communications Incorporated, a member of the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. To support this program, please visit seeherelove.com and click the donate button or call 1-800-265-3100. And from me and the See Here Love team, thanks so much for your support.